Here's what's coming up on today's show. Any trouble that these additional owners get in puts the account at risk. Okay, and that's assuming they don't do anything wrong, but something bad happens to them. Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. Welcome in. Glad to have you back inside Complete Estate Planning. I'm Ben George with Nick Rosenbauer, who is an estate planning attorney and owner of Rosenbauer Law Office there in Westchester, Ohio. You can find him online, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. Today, we're talking about the false sense of security with joint ownership. Should be a good topic that we'll go through with Nick today. But Nick, just want to check in on you first. How are you? How's uh, How are the T-ball uh, coaching oh going and all those? Yeah. Any, any good stories? Yeah, Team Mozzarella Sticks is, uh, is is doing good. You want to talk about false sense of security? Um, and Ben, I don't know if this is a thing, you know, in your part of in your neck of the woods. It certainly was not for me when I took when I played baseball and t-ball growing up. Um, but we're you know four and five year olds, and it's t-ball. But the league told us, I guess halfway through the season, to start pitching to the kids. This past weekend, okay. so you give them three pitches. It's now coach's pitch, and you're four, which I thought was ridiculous, and I was rolling my eyes. Um, and I'll tell you what, Ben, we did uh, four innings uh, at, our, at our last game, and so everyone gets to hit four times. Everyone on the team got at least one hit in nice. play, and every you know, and everyone except one kid got at least two. It was ridiculous. I think there were only two kids on the team who didn't make contact with the ball all four times. <laughs> and That's surprising, yeah. It, it was wild. And I'm sitting there, Ben, talking about, I, I have to be like eight feet away from them because I'm sitting there, okay, buddy. You know, I'm basically yeah. babying them. And then all of a sudden they get out their bat and just – swing as hard as they can just a lace one right back (laughs) (laughs) and then they take off running or you know you'll have the one where they lose control of the bat you know because they're trying to like move the bat to adjust to higher or lower i somehow didn't get hit Um, but i'm saying oh buddy it'll be okay and i'm rolling my eyes and we're gonna make the game go longer because we can't just put them on the tee and then just whack, ball goes <laughs> ball goes right <laughs> oh, past man. my head. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, kids loved it. I guess because it was something new, they loved it. I was really impressed, and I made a joke with them. I'd say, "Now make sure you don't hit Coach Nick. You better <laughs> hit it over to the side." And, then, and of course, they're like, "They're four, right?" They're, or five. I said, "I'm going to hit it right at your yep, head." Exactly. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's an invitation. Yep. Exactly. And they maybe that was it because they were trying to hurt me. Um, but you know, the, the kids loved it. So now we're now, uh, mo- team mozzarella sticks, T-ball, I guess have morphed into mozzarella sticks coaches pitch. Um, so we got some live action going. The kids, uh, the kids love it. Uh, dangerous, I think for the coaches, but yeah, I'm, someone's going to get whacked, uh, sooner rather than later. But for now I made it out unscathed. I'll tell you what, my ERA is pretty high. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I got absolutely rocked because they um because because obviously i i pitched to my team and you know the coach pitches to the oh one but uh, yeah yeah got a real high era um uh, you know but the red cincinnati reds will be calling me here pretty soon at this rate so uh, <laughs> i'd probably fit right in with their pitching staff i so. love it Oh, that was a little a bit of a dig there. Yeah. It was unnecessary, <laughs> but uh, but true. Yep, yeah. no, uh, had uh, ha- had fun, and uh, you know the, these kids will be major league ready apparently sooner rather than later. Hell, next they'll be they'll be trying they'll be asking me about their batting average. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, one day they'll be talking about Coach Nick from the mozzarella sticks. How it all yeah, where it all I, began, I, right? I highly doubt that. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> all right, Nick. Well, let's jump into today's con, uh, conversation here on Complete Estate Planning. Again, if you have questions for Nick, we always encourage you to call. Uh, Nick always loves hearing from you. It's uh, two ways to do so. You can call 513-463-6789 or log online, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. You can schedule a call right there through the website, plus a lot of other great resources you can utilize. So today we're talking about the false sense of security with joint ownership, Nick. And I think a lot of people go down this path with a lot of their big assets, um, uh, but it can be a, a problem, huh? Well, yes. So there are a number of you know different types or subtypes of it, which we'll certainly get into. Um, but it, it is kind of a is kind of a band aid that gives you a false sense of security. Uh, exactly right. So there's there's first off there's two ways that it often comes up. Uh, the first one, I guess there's nothing wrong with it in and of itself. You have like a married couple, okay, and they own the bank account together or they own the house together or they own the car together, which that sort of thing happens all the time. Um, we'll talk in a little bit, but the problem becomes when they think that that is an estate plan or, or that is good enough, so to speak. Gotcha. Um, but that happens all the time, right? That's not a That's not an uncommon thing. And the other one, which is more risky, you have an individual who adds a second owner, you know, usually a child, uh, to be a co-owner in a bank account or a house or something like that. A mm-hmm. um, number of different reasons to do it. Again, it's usually a cut rate and risky estate plan. Um, but that is the one that um, you know I, I always hold my breath about. Okay. okay. Um, and then within it, there's two different ways or two main ones. Some states have – like Florida has a unique thing called, called tenancy uh, by the entirety. But the two main categories, if you will, of joint ownership, you have uh, joint tenants with rights of survivorship or survivorship tenancy. Um, that is – it's probably the one that people have in mind when they think about this. I'd say it's more common. That's the one where two people own something. If one over owner passes away, uh, then the survivor becomes the sole owner of everything, right? So if you and your wife had a bank account, if you died tomorrow, it's all still her bank account, right? So it's kind of a, it's like a, it's mm-hmm. like the TV show Survivor, okay? Last man standing wins, and you can see. When that happens, you see why people try to use that as a, an estate plan substitute uh, for the inheritance. Tenants in common, that's one you need to be careful about. Um, it basically means you own your compartment and I own my compartment or a portion of it. So even if you have two owners, you know, if, if one owner passes away, his or her compartment you know, needs to be inherited, maybe probated, while the living 
co-owner's compartment remains as is. Um, usually that's more for money or businesses, I think, than anything else. But I guess the good analogy, Ben, would be like if you and I co-owned a house and I owned the basement and you owned the main four, if I died, you still have your main four, but the basement gets probated, okay? Sounds crazy, but that sort of thing happens. That even happens in real estate uh, all the time. I'm dealing with about three of those right now. Really? Um, You know, and then going through that, you know, you can see why, you know, first off, it's kind of a sloppy shortcut from estate planning, and it actually doesn't even always avoid probate, regardless of which type it has been. What happens when both of us pass away? Yeah. Right? There's not eight owners, okay? So, and it's not if, it's when, because we're all going to go. And then also, if you have the situation where you put one of the kids on the account, what if the kid goes first? Hmm. You know, okay, yeah. you're you're right back in the same, you know, you, you're right back in the same spot. Um, and then obviously with the tenant, tenants in common issue, you know, we can have it to where a portion of the account or asset is probated and not the entire thing, which honestly can be worse. You know, when a probate estate executor is a co-owner on your account or your house, that can be a whole heck of a lot of fun. Okay. So again, you know, part those are the types. That's kind of how it goes, you know, how it comes about. And, and, you know, here's reasons why the main thing people use it for, you know, apart from being a bad idea, it doesn't even work. Yeah. I mean, I can, you can kind of see where, where some of those issues can arise um, and why it does pro- provide you with this false sense of security as well. Um, what, what else can be an issue here and why else can this uh, maybe lead you astray? Well, and, and yeah, and let's assume that it works. Okay? okay, so let's assume that we avoid the probate and the co, you know, and the, I guess the cut rate inheritance works as intended. Okay, so let's assume I want to give, I want to have someone inherit my house, one of the kids, so I put them as the co-owner, and then I die first, and we have it set up the right way with survivorship. Um, let's say it works as intended. That's still not good necessarily. Let's say you have four kids and then you add one of the kids to the house. Okay. When you pass away, that child is the sole owner, not all four kids. So unless you want to cut the rest of them out, they're not required to share that account or asset or house with the other siblings, even if your estate plan says so, because that's not your estate anymore. That's just their house. So they can keep it for themselves, okay? So it's just that's not part of the estate plan. That's just my house. I'm now walking around with my house, yeah. and you have your will or trust or whatever. Doesn't matter. So it bypasses all of it, and people don't have to share. And people do that because they would never put five kids on a house. Yeah. Well, you know, you see why this isn't good either. There's also some tax issues, and I know, I feel like everyone just like. Hits claw, hits pause, or turns their you know podcast off when we talk taxes. Okay, I understand that, um, but there uh, can be some tax advantages for people when they inherit. Um, it's known as a step up uh, in the cost basis. So basically, uh, it's a capital gains tax issue. Okay, so let's say you know mom bought the house for a hundred thousand. And housing prices do what they do. 
Okay, now the house is worth five hundred thousand, so it's gone up four hundred grand, right? And let's just say she adds uh, her son to the house as a co-owner. First off, that's a taxable gift for half of the house because she just gave him half the house. Okay, so she just gifted him two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars, and then also, you know, he doesn't get what's known as a step up in the cost basis. So mm-hmm. when she passes away, there are capital gains tax issues for him. So he'll have to pay capital gains tax on the, the capital gain, which is the value increase from when purchased to when received. Right. Okay, It's not income per se, but that house and stocks are the same way. You know, you start your you know, you, you open a stock account when you're 25 years old and, and now you're 60 mm-hmm. and that Apple stock or the P&G or something like that's gone through the moon. So there's tax issues with all of that, plus gift tax issues if uh, if you have a taxable estate. Right now, at least, you know, as of as the law is when we're recording today, if someone inherits the house at death, one, it's not a taxable gift right now because nothing was given right now. And second, when mom passes away, the son, it's known as a step up in cost basis. So basically, whatever the house was worth at date of death, that is the new cost basis with which any capital gains is is calculated. So basically, what it means is all of the gain in value from when mom bought the house to when she passed away, there's no capital gains tax on that. All of that gets deleted. Okay, so if she would have just not done that but arranged with it, arranged it properly within her estate plan, she can protect from the taxable gift issue and then also wipe out the $400,000 in capital gains. It all goes away. Okay, so actually they would have done better if she would have just waited. Mm-hmm. Okay. So again, I don't I don't like to go too far into taxes, but especially with houses cuz that's yeah. the biggest culprit. It's a big one. Right. And right now right now a $500,000 house is like a shed. Hmm. You know. <laughs> okay. Yes. So <clears throat> so so that's what you run in with that. And then also say last couple things. You just have risks or exposures or lack of control when you bring another person into the mix. So as far as creditors, like if, you know, same scenario, mom, you know, added son to the bank account, okay, because she wanted him to pay bills because there's two owners. Obviously, it's mom's money. So if mom got sued, declared bankruptcy, had to go into a nursing home, couldn't pay the bill, got divorced, had a judgment against her, you know, that's her money, so that is at risk, okay, to the people that she owes money to. Same with the son, okay, because now the son, that is quote-unquote his money. So if he gets divorced, then half of his money, which is also mom's money, you know, gets put in the middle and can be, so So half of mom's account may end up going to her ex-daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. Okay, in the divorce, because that's his money now. They don't treat it any differently. Yeah. Or if he had declared bankruptcy or got in a car crash and got sued. So the problem is any trouble that these additional owners get in puts the account at risk. Okay, and that's assuming they don't do anything wrong, but something bad happens to them. Obviously, Ben, 
if I put you as a co-owner on my bank account, legally, you can just take the money. Yeah. Right? Because it's yours. Okay? So I can access it. I can spend it. I can withdraw, invest. Um, and I don't need consent from the other owner. Like, Ben, if you... If you, t- you don't have a genie card anymore, do you? Is that a thing? I do you do, remember no, those growing up? I'm not familiar, no. Ah, okay. So genie card was before the debit card or the ATM card. And it was like genie was the name of the company. Like, you know, you see like the star yeah. company like that makes all the ATMs. It used to be genie. Okay. Uh, and all the old people are, are nodding their head and say, wow, Nick must be a lot older than he sounds. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, so think of it like this. If you go to the ATM and withdraw $100 from your account and your wife's a co-owner, do you have to get her permission to get that money out? No, either of you could. Like, you don't have to both show up at the exact same time at the same bank to get money, which is fine. But your new co-owner who's on the account, same scenario. So, So anyway, that's something you need to be careful about because now you have another person who can basically take your money. Because it's also their money. Um, so you got to be careful as far as trust is concerned there. Um, and, and then kind of the last thing here, assuming it all works, assuming it goes right, and assuming it gets where it needs to get and no one has lawsuits or any of these problems and they don't care about taxes, that's when you start looking at the estate planning issues. Okay? So, and we've talked about these on other episodes, but yeah, we also have to assume that giving them the money all at one time, ready or not, here I come, is the right answer. Okay, Don't put your 19-year-old kid on your bank account or on your house if they're not ready to handle it or if they're not old enough or mature enough or something like that to handle the asset for any reason. Mm-hmm. Okay, So after all of this, you still have to look at all of the estate planning questions of are they ready to have this all right now, ready or not, here I come. Okay, so after we get through all of this as this real cut rate, false sense of security estate plan, once we get through all the ways it can go wrong, we still have to go back and also say, all right, is that the right answer to give it to them all or not? Okay, again, obviously, you know, and and our listeners can go back and listen to those episodes, but, you know, this is just to get to that point. Okay, so that's all the risks that uh, that we have here uh, that, uh, that come up. Okay. Well, a lot to think about and some things you might not have if you were thinking about going the joint ownership route. But if you want to follow up and ask any questions specific to your situation, which always is very important to do, you can always contact Nick via the phone, 513-463-6789 or online at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. You can schedule a call with Nick right there, the big button in the front. Click that, get on his calendar. Plus, check out all of our podcasts there to go back and answer any other questions you might have. It's a good chance we probably discussed it at some point along the way, and uh, we appreciate all of your support through that. Nick, as always, always a good time chatting with you and learning more about estate planning and what you do every day, and we appreciate your insight. Absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, I do want to say again to all of our subscribers, all of our listeners um, who have questions or or want help with us, certainly uh, same with feedback, uh, certainly keep it coming. We love to hear it. So so thank you uh, to everyone. And and also, by the way, if uh, you think someone else may be interested, share or pass this information on to them uh, and they can uh, hit subscribe as well. And, uh, you know, we can, uh, you know, I'll do my best um, to keep the estate planning topics at least somewhat interesting 
Uh, but if nothing, if nothing else, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure the kids and uh, everything like that will at least get two minutes of something interesting per episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the goal. All right, Nick, we appreciate your time. Have a good week. The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office, based in Westchester, Ohio, and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.